0: Uh, Questions to the Prime Minister, Pete Wishart.
1: Number one, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I am sure that the whole House will want to join me in condemning the appalling and cowardly attack in Christchurch on Friday. There can be absolutely no place in our societies for the vile ideology that drives hatred and spreads fear. I spoke to Prime Minister Ardern on Sunday. I told her that we stood with New Zealand at this time and we would provide whatever assistance was needed. I would also like to take the opportunity to thank the emergency services for their handling of the terrorist incident in Stanwell on Saturday. I'm sure members from across the House will want to join me in sending our thoughts to the man who was injured. And I would like to send my deepest sympathies to the families of those killed and those injured in Utrecht on Monday. We're in regular contact with the Dutch local authorities and are standing by to offer whatever assistance is required. And, Mr Speaker, I'm sure that members will want to join me in expressing my deepest shock at the loss and devastation caused by the cyclone in Mozambique, Malawi and Zimbabwe. We have made, as I think has been made clear by the Secretary of State in International Development questions, we've made six million pounds of UK aid available to help meet the immediate needs of people who've lost everything. And we've deployed a UK team of DFID experts to coordinate our response to this disaster. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Heat wish Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I totally associate myself
1: with everything the Prime Minister has said? We will never allow hate to succeed, and we do stand in solidarity with the victims of Cyclone Edie. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister's deal lies in tatters. Her Cabinet is an open revolt. She presides over the biggest constitutional crisis this nation has experienced. And where leadership is required, she has once again cravenly caved in to her hard Brexiteers and will now only seek a short extension to Article 50, contrary to the expressed will of this House. When will she develop a backbone and stand up to those that would take this nation to disaster? And, as one of our ministers said this morning, referencing another feeble Prime
2: Minister. Weak, weak, weak. Thank you. Mr Speaker, perhaps it would be helpful in response to that question if I update the House on the forthcoming European Council and the issue of Article 50 extension. On Thursday, the House voted in favour of a short extension if the House had supported a meaningful vote before this week's European Council. The motion also made it clear that a longer extension would oblige the United Kingdom to hold elections to the European Parliament. Mr Speaker, I do not believe such elections would be in anyone's interests. The idea that that three years after voting to leave the EU, the people of this country should be asked to elect a new set of MEPs is, I believe, unacceptable. It will be a failure to deliver on the referendum decision that this House said it would honour.
0: I have a long way to go, and what the Prime Minister is saying must be heard. The Prime Minister.
2: I have therefore this morning written to President Tusk, the President of the European Council, informing him him that the UK seeks an extension to the Article 50 period until the 30th of June. Copies of the letter are being placed in the libraries of the House. The The Government intends to bring forward proposals for a third meaningful vote. If that vote is passed, the extension will give the House time to consider the withdrawal agreement bill. If not, the House will have to decide how to proceed. But as Prime Minister, as Prime Minister, I am, I am not prepared to delay Brexit any further than the 30th of June.
0: Colin Clark.
2: The Prime
1: Minister welcomed Oil and Gas UK's report today predicting £200 billion of new investment in the sector, supported by this government's fiscal policy, in
0: direct contrast to the SNP failure to stimulate the Scottish economy.
2: Well, can I say to my honourable friend that uh, the Chancellor's spring statement last week showed that this is indeed a government that is delivering for Scotland. Uh, He mentions the issue of fiscal policy and oil and gas. We have also put £260 million for the Borderlands growth deal, £68 million extra in Barnet consequentials for the Scottish Government, £79 million for a new national supercomputer at Edinburgh University. Uh, While the SNP is obsessed with independence, it is this Conservative Government that is focused on growing Scotland's economy.
3: Thank you Mr Speaker, I want to start by sending my condolences to all the families and friends of victims of the terror attack in New Zealand last week. The terrible events in Christchurch should remind us all there is no place for hate. And I pay tribute to the way in which Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has responded with such dignity and such compassion to this crisis. And I absolutely agree with the comments of the Prime Minister concerning the events at Stanwell and Utrecht. And I'm sure the whole House will join me and her in sending our deepest sympathies to all those who lost their loved ones and homes in the terrible cyclones that have caused devastation in Mozambique, Zimbabwe and Malawi. I support the Government in an ascending £6 million of aid. I hope if more aid is required we will be able to respond urgently and generously to any demand for help from people that are so desperately suffering at the present time. (coughs) Mr Speaker, we're now in the midst of a full-scale national crisis. Incompetence, failure and intransigence from the Prime Minister and her Government have brought us to this point. Parliament has rejected her deal, it's rejected no deal. The Prime Minister now has no plan. In an effort to break the deadlock, I've held meetings with members all across the House and I'm having further meetings today to find a compromise that supports jobs and living standards. Tomorrow, I'm meeting EU Prime Ministers and officials in Brussels. This Mr Speaker is a – Mr Speaker, this is a national crisis. Will the Prime Minister meet me today to discuss our proposals as a way forward
2: to get out of this crisis?
0: Can I say
2: to the right hon. gentleman, it is a bit rich him standing up and inviting me to meet him, when, when for days and days he refused to meet me. And when for days and days he refused to meet me, and he then refused to allow the shadow Brexit secretary to have a further meeting with the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. Of course, I'm always happy to meet members across this House to discuss the issue of Europe. But I do note, I do note, I do note that opposition party leaders, when they came out from the meeting with the leader of the opposition, uh, made it clear that what they didn't want was Brexit. We should be delivering Brexit for the people of this country.
3: Jeremy Corbyn! I'm not sure there was an answer to my question there, actually. Uh, actually, Mr Speaker. I wanted no deal taken off the table. The House has taken no deal off the table. It's time the Prime Minister took no deal off the table. Mr Speaker, the CBI said the extension vote is a welcome dose of common sense put in place a new process, drop the red lines. Every MP must show leadership through compromise. Will the Prime Minister drop the red lines? Is she prepared to compromise to get through this crisis?
2: The right right honourable gentleman talks about decisions that have been taken by this House. I'm sure it it won't have passed you by, Mr Speaker, that, of, of, uh, of course, this House has voted on and rejected a second referendum. It has voted on and rejected no deal. It has voted on and rejected Labour's deal. It has voted on it has voted on and rejected a customs union and it has voted on and supported leaving with a deal. It's time this parliament faced the consequences.
4: Jeremy
3: Mr. Speaker, the last time the Prime Minister tried her meaningful vote, she only managed 242 votes, slightly up on the previous attempt, but nevertheless a decisive rejection. Our plan received 296 votes, rather considerably more than that. (laughs) Mr Speaker, her government is in chaos. She's ignored the House, ignored trade unions, ignored businesses and ignored the concerns of communities all around the country. She told the House that the EU would only allow an extension of Article 50 if there was a clear purpose. She's travelling to Brussels tomorrow morning to meet the EU summit leaders. What is her
2: clear purpose? I think if the right honourable gentleman had listened to the answer I gave to the first question that was posed in PMQs, he would have heard that. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't clear at all, Mr Speaker,
3: other than she's going to try again with what we'll now term MV3. Surely, after two big rejections by the House, she must have noticed there isn't much support for the deal that she negotiated. So we learned this morning, Mr Speaker, that she's only going to ask for a short extension which directly contradicts what the Cabinet Office Minister told the House, saying in the absence of a deal, seeking such a short and critically one-off extension would be downright reckless and completely at odds with the position this House adopted only last night. So who is downright reckless here, Mr Speaker? The Prime Minister ploughing on with an unachievable, unsupported deal, or others in this House who want to achieve something serious and sensible to prevent the damage to the British economy, jobs and living standards all over this country?
2: The right hon. Gentleman talks about trying to achieve something sensible it's the right honourable gentleman who last week abstained on a vote of a second referendum despite the fact that it's labour party policy and then had the nerve to stand up in this house and say he reiterated their support for a second referendum he has no idea what he wants on the future of this issue he asks he asks about a long extension he asks about a long extension i'm opposed to a long extension i don't want a long extension setting aside the issue that a long extension setting aside the issue that a l- Setting aside the issue that a long extension would mean we would have to uh, stand uh, hold the European parliamentary elections, which I don't think is in anybody's interests. The outcome of a long extension would be endless hours and days of this house of this house carrying on of this house. On contemplating its naval on Europe and failing to address the issues that matter to our constituents, their schools. Oh, order,
0: order, order! The answer from the Prime Minister must be heard, and everybody else will be heard. The Prime Minister.
2: The outcome of a long extension would be this House spending yet more endless hours contemplating its navel on Europe and failing to address the issues that matter to our constituents, schools and hospitals and security, and jobs. This House has indulged itself on Europe for too long.
0: Order. Order. There's a a lot of very noisy barracking. Order. 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 The Prime Minister's reply will be heard, and colleagues know that I am happy for the exchanges to take place for as long as is necessary to ensure that they are orderly. The Prime Minister.
2: It's time. time. It's time for this House. To determine that it will deliver on Brexit for the British people. That's what the British people deserve. They deserve better than this House has given them so far.
3: Mr. Mr. Speaker, to describe the parliamentary process as one of indulgence doesn't show much respect for the democratic process that sent us here in the first place. The House, Mr. Speaker, has twice rejected the Prime Minister's deal. She's trying to come back for another attempt on Monday. Further to your ruling last Monday, she's got to come up with something a bit different than she's come up with so far. So what significant changes will there be, either to the withdrawal agreement or the political declaration that will even allow the Prime Minister to table it on Monday?
2: the The Right Honourable Gentleman talks about respect for democracy. Respect for democracy means that this House should deliver the Brexit that the British people voted for. And the Right right Honourable Gentleman, the Right Honourable Gentleman, now wants to disrespect democracy by holding a second referendum. It is not not this government that is being disrespectful of the British people. It is the Right Honourable Gentleman and his Labour Party. Jeremy Corbyn! The job of Parliament is to hold
3: government to account, and the Prime Minister doesn't seem to understand that. When she was first defeated, she promised legally binding changes. I haven't seen those legally binding changes. All she's doing is running down the clock after a second heavy defeat. Today, Mr Speaker, marks 1,000 days since the referendum. And this government has led the country and themselves into crisis, chaos and division. We are still legally due to leave the European Union in nine days' time. Months months of running down the clock and a concerted campaign of blackmail, bullying and bribery has failed to convince the House, either or, or the country, that her deal is anything but a damaging national failure and should be rejected. They've run out of time, they've run out of ideas. People, Mr Speaker, all over this country are anxious and frustrated with this Government's utter inability to find a way through the crisis. If the Prime Minister cannot get changes to her deal, will she give the people a chance to reject the deal and change the Government?
5: Can
2: I say to the Right Honourable Gentleman, I think he's actually just made the point that I was making my previous answer to him. That he doesn't want to actually respect the votes that took place in the referendum in 2016. We have a deal. We have a deal that keeps millions of livelihoods safe and secure. It protects the union for the future. It means murderers and rapists on the run can be brought back quickly to face justice in this country. No deal won't do that. The deal is good for this country. It delivers Brexit and it should be supported. Peter Alders. Thank you very much, Mr.
0: Speaker. The announcement this week of the closure of Coe's Lowstoff shop, following on from those of Beals, Argos and Body Shop, highlights the challenges that the High Street in Lowstoff currently faces. To address these, Waveney District Council are submitting an expression of interest to the future High Street Fund, which I anticipate will be heavily oversubscribed. I acknowledge the various initiatives the Government have put forward, but can the Prime Minister assure me that a coordinated sustained and properly resourced approach, working with councils, will be pursued to revitalise our town centres, which are so vital
2: to local communities and economies. Yeah. Well, first of all, my, my hon. Friend makes an important point about the Im- significance of town centres for our local communities. Can I say to my hon. Friend, thank you also for highlighting the work that we are doing, the help we are providing through the Hi- Future High Streets Fund, Of course, high streets are changing, but we want to help them in that process and help them to adapt. That's why, as he said, the Future High Streets Fund is there. It has £675 million available to support local areas. But I'd like to also reassure my honourable friend that in uh, doing this, we will be promoting partnership across the public and private sector, including local businesses, in developing those plans for the future of their high streets.
4: Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and can I associate myself with the remarks of the Prime Minister on the outrage that we all feel from what happened in Christchurch in New Zealand. Yeah, 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 yeah. We must work collectively together to drive hate out of our societies across the globe, and our thoughts are very much with the people of Mozambique, with Zimbabwe and those from Malawi, and we must do <laughs> all we can to support those in those communities. Mr Speaker, all our constituents will be watching on. At the crisis and chaos that we are in, and we need to reflect on the fact that we are a week away from what is the intended day from leaving the European Union and the responsibilities that we all have. Mr. Speaker, six days ago, the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster said, "In the absence of a deal, seeking such a short and critically one-off extension would be downright reckless." Oh. Downright reckless, Prime Minister. Does she agree with her de facto deputy? that her actions this morning are downright reckless.
2: As I have uh, set out clearly for the uh, House in a number of answers that I have now given on this, uh, on this question, I believe this House has a responsibility to deliver on the Brexit. Uh, people voted for Brexit, we have a responsibility to deliver I recognise that the right hon. Gentleman and his colleagues in the SNP have always taken the position they want to revoke Article 50 and not have Brexit. The uh, Honourable Gentleman shouts, correct from a sedentary position. At least that is a firm position, which is different from the Leader of the Opposition, who has uh, continually moved his position on this issue. But I also believe that nearly three years on from the vote having taken place to deliver on Brexit for the British people, it is time for this House to face that fact, to face the consequences of its decisions and to deliver on Brexit for the British people.
0: Order, we can't have people shouting out in the middle of the exchanges. Order, I don't need any help from any member in dealing with these matters well, with which I'm very well familiar, the Prime Minister. Prime Minister grateful too. To? Yeah. To. Mr no, no, Sorry. Uh, Mr Ian Blackwood. Thank, thank you
4: right. Mr Speaker. I mean, can I say to the Prime Minister that we need to reflect that her deal had the biggest defeat in parliamentary history? Yeah, yeah. She brought it back. It had the fourth biggest defeat <laughs> in parliamentary history. Her deal has failed. This House has voted against no deal. Once again, the Prime Minister is acting in her own self-interest, not in the interests of the whole of the UK. The Prime Minister has failed. This place has failed, and Scotland is watching. The only way forward now, Mr Speaker, is to put the decision back to the people. Will the Prime Minister give the people a say in such a referendum? Mr Speaker, the people of Scotland deserve a choice over their future. If Westminster fails, Scotland will act.
2: Can I say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that there is, there is an enormous responsibility? It's a huge honour and privilege to sit in this chamber, to be elected as a Member of Parliament, to represent our constituents, and we all have a responsibility. And this uh, Parliament gave the decision to the British people. It took place in a referendum in 2016, and the result of that referendum was that we should leave the European Union. And the the result of that referendum was that we should leave the European Union. And I believe, I believe, for people to be able to have trust in their politicians and faith in this Parliament, it is imperative that this Parliament delivers on the Brexit that people voted for.
0: Mr. Peter Bone.
1: Mr Speaker, in June 2016, the country voted to leave the European Union. In February 2017, this House voted by a majority of 384 to trigger Article 50. The Prime Minister in this House has said on 108 times that we will be leaving the European Union on the 29th of March. Last week, two-thirds of her MPs voted against any extension to Article 50. Prime Minister, if you continue to apply for an extension to Article 50, you will be betraying the British people. If you don't, you will be honouring their instruction. Prime Minister, it is entirely down to you. History will judge you at this moment. Prime Minister, order, order, order. I am not having the
0: honourable gentleman denied the chance and the right to be heard. The honourable gentleman must and will be heard, Mr. Peter
1: Bone. Prime Minister, which is it to be?
2: I oh, no, uh, thank my, my honourable friend. Has been consistent in his challenging me on the 29th of March date in Prime Minister's Questions and in statements and uh, indeed in debates. I have always wanted us to be able to leave on the 29th of March but I believe as was said as was said during the referendum campaign by those who wanted to leave that it was better to leave with a negotiated deal with the European Union. Yes. Yes. That is why I am saying that I think we should look again at, uh, at being able to leave with a negotiated deal but in order to do that we need time for this parliament to ratify any a uh, deal and in order to do that we need an extension until uh, June the 30th. But as I have said, as I have said, as Prime Minister, I could not consider a delay further beyond the 30th of June. This is the point at which this House has the decision to take as to what it wants the future to be. That is what is facing this House, and that is a decision I believe we should take, honouring the result of the referendum. And Dr. Roberta Blackman-Woods. Thank yes. you, Mr. Speaker.
5: On Friday I visited a school in my constituency where distressing poverty means that teachers are not only providing food for the children at breakfast and lunch, they are sourcing clothes and buying shoes for them, in addition to raising money for books and equipment. Now that school, the only one in the area, is threatened with closure. So rather than spending money trying to get people to back her Brexit deal, could I ask the Prime Minister, please, to use it to address the acute social need in this country that is bringing families and communities to their knees
2: Well, the the Honourable Lady will be well aware that we are putting more money into our schools we are ensuring that we have a welfare system that does encourage people into the workplace and we have put more money into various other elements of the uh, of of care for people across our communities the best but the best solution for people to ensure that they are able to provide for themselves and their families is for us to have a strong economy And for people to be helped into work. And that's why it was so pleasing to see this week that we see yet again employment levels at a record high in this country. Vicky Ford.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. To overcome homelessness, we need more homes. And in Chelmsford, we're building a thousand new homes every year. But we also need the infrastructure. So this week, Essex County Council is putting in bids for housing infrastructure funding, including the second train station in Chelmsford. Does my right hon. Friend agree that world-class infrastructure is vital for our future, and will she support our 25-year
2: campaign for Chelmsford's second train station? Can I I say to my honourable friend, first of all, I welcome the action that Essex County Council has taken in relation to new homes. I welcome their bid to the Housing Infrastructure Fund. It is important we have made that money available in the Housing Infrastructure Fund because we understand the importance of infrastructure for new housing developments. We recognise the need for additional affordable housing in the south-east. Of course, uh, uh, the Department of Transport will look very carefully at the bid which will come in uh, for the second railway station that my hon. Friend has referred to. But I am pleased to be able to say that we are only able to do this because this is a government that is putting record levels of money into capital investment in our country. Lloyd Russell
0: Moyle.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. I know the
4: Prime Minister campaigned to keep Section 28, which banned LGBT. uh, people being talked about positively in schools, and led to millions of young people like myself growing up in fear of being LGBT. I thought the Prime Minister had seen the error of her ways, but this morning the Leader of the House said on radio that parents should decide when they are exposed to LGBT education. This is Conservative Party dog-whistle politics. Will the Prime Minister condemn the Leader of the House? Will she condemn bigots that do not want LGBT people to be heard in schools? And Will she support Ofsted with good LGBT education in our schools?
2: Can I, say to the, can I say to the honourable gentleman, I am very happy to write to him with the detail of the guidance that is given to schools on, on uh, LGBT t- education and teaching. I think it is important. The, my, my right honourable friend, the uh, Minister for Women and Equalities, Secretary of State for International Development, has been at great pains to ensure, working with the Department for Education, that appropriate guidance is given to uh, is given to schools. And I will write to him. I, I was, I recognise the issue that the, gentleman, the Honourable Gentleman has raised, and I will write to him with the details of the guidance, because it is very clear about what what is appropriate.
0: Derek Thomas. Yeah, yeah, Thank you, Mr yeah. Speaker.
1: Cornwall. In Cornwall, we want to be as environmentally friendly as possible. In fact, we, we want to be carbon-free by 2030. Uh, for me, this means improving the quality of our homes. It means Making use of all forms of renewable energy and ensuring sustainable food production. Will my friend the Prime Minister welcome the aspirations of communities like Cornwall and will her government ensure that robust policies are in place to meet net zero emission commitments more quickly?
2: Well, I thank my honourable friend. Certainly, I'm delighted to hear of the aspirations that Cornwall has in relation to, uh, to being carbon free and the action that is being taken. We're happy to support that. We have a good record on climate change as a government, um, but we're doing more. Uh, our annual support for renewables will be over 10 billion by 2021. Our ambitious clean growth strategy sets out our plan for decarbonising the UK economy through to, uh, through to 2032. So, we will be putting in the policies in place that will enable uh, areas like Cornwall to be able to achieve their commitment in relation. To uh, climate change.
1: Alex Norris! Mr Speaker, 4,621 words in the Chancellor's spring statement, but not a single mention of Waspy women. The Prime Minister came to office vowing to tackle burning injustices. Well, these women worked all their lives for their pension and had it taken from them without their knowledge. Does the Prime Minister really not think this is a burning injustice?
2: I say to the honourable gentleman that he knows full well in relation to the issue of the waspy women that this is a government that did put extra money in. We have been very clear no one will see their pension age change by more than 18 months relative to the 1995 Act timetable and those with the most significant changes did receive at least seven years' notice. Um, but we are looking, we are, do want to see, the empowerment of women in the workplace, the empowerment of women in our economy, and that is why my right honourable friend, the Minister for Women and Equalities, will be bringing forward a strategy on that very soon.
6: Bill Grant! Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. The United Kingdom average unemployment is at a remarkable 4%. A very welcome low. In Ear Karakin Cumluck, however, it stands at six point five percent. Can my right honourable friend give an assurance to my constituents that she will continue to work in building employment nationally? With a particular focus on areas where unemployment is significantly higher than the UK average.
2: Well, can I say to my honourable friend that he has raised a particularly important point? Uh, If I may just pull him up on one point, actually, we have now seen that uh, the employment rate across the UK is 3.9%, not 4. Unemployment rate, sorry, unemployment rate across the UK is 3.9%. Employment in Scotland has risen by 239,000 since the 2010 election, uh, and what we've seen in the spring statement was our economy growing every year, borrowing lower expected inspected debt falling, but I absolutely recognise the concerns my hon. Friend has raised. That is why we will continue to work as a UK Government to deliver more jobs, healthier finances and an economy that is fit for the future across the whole of the United Kingdom.
0: Mr
5: Speaker, hate crime is on the rise, right, and our democracy increasingly based on fear both in Parliament and the country shocking Home Office figures show that hate crimes doubled from 2011 to over hundred thousand last year. The country looks to politicians to set a high standard yeah, yeah, yeah. but last week the Prime Minister's allies were texting fellow Honourable Members saying I'm going to chloroform you and drag you through the lobbies to vote for the Prime Minister's deal. Does she find this behaviour acceptable or will she be removing the whip from the offending members? Yeah.
2: Can I, say, can I say, to the honourable lady, can I say to the honourable lady that she is absolutely right? That politicians at all levels need to think very carefully about the terms in which we uh, address others and the terms in which we put our arguments. And there are many members across this House who have suffered significantly from verbal abuse, from abuse on uh, online of various sorts. Uh, this is a matter that we should all be taking seriously. And I will be ensuring that across this House. We work to ensure that people are not subject to the sort of abuse that, sadly, some members of this House have been subject to from outside this House.
0: Tim Lawton. Mr Speaker, back in the world beyond Brexit, she will be aware that my civil partnerships, private members bill completed its stages. Since when I have received hundreds of letters of thanks, including no fewer than six from prospective civil partners who proposed after my bill went through, and many from anxious mothers wanting to know when they will be able to sign their son or daughter's marriage certificate. So will she guarantee that every effort will now be made to ensure that these measures come in well before the end of the, the year, and that there will not be a prolonged period of implementation?
2: Can I, can I thank my honourable friend for the legislation and for working with the government on that uh, legislation? And uh, can I say to my honourable friend that we are working uh, as quickly as to bring this in as quickly as possible to ensure uh, that the uh, measures that are in that legislation are available as soon as possible to people? West.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Since the Prime Minister has been on her feet, the national crisis appears to have deepened, in that the EU Commission says that. Either it's an extension until the 23rd of May or until the end of 2019. Yes. Will the Prime Minister listen to the hundreds of thousands of young people who, would, who will march peacefully to Parliament Square to say that they would like to have a chance to have their say in this debate, and put it back to the people, subject to the Kyle and Wilson amendment, which is basically a compromise in this House.
2: Can I, can I say to the honourable lady, I have answered many questions in recent weeks and months on the question of putting the vote, putting a vote back to the people of this country. I continue to believe that it is for this House to recognise that, having asked people their view having heard the view from those uh, people, that we should actually deliver on that view. That is our responsibility. It's about delivering Brexit.
6: Uh, Mr Kenneth Clark. Uh, Mr Speaker, uh, as the Prime Minister says, this House has voted clearly uh, to reject leaving with no deal, and it's voted clearly uh, to seek an extension if her withdrawal agreement cannot get a majority. But this House has not yet had the opportunity to debate and vote on the range of options for long-term arrangements, such as customs union, regulatory alignment and so on. So would she arrange next week for indicative votes finally to be held so we can see where the consensus, where the majority lies, because a short extension of Article 50 will be completely useless if the government goes into it with no idea of what it's going to have the authority to negotiate in the long term.
2: Well can I say to my right honourable to my right honourable and learned friend, I think he will have noticed the House has had many opportunities actually to put forward motions of the issue that he has yes the House has. Uh, the House has the House has rejected Rejected alternatives to the government's deal, the House has uh, voted against a customs union. The House has voted against having a second referendum. Uh, The House has, uh, uh, from uh, from a sedentary position, somebody on the uh, opposition front bench says, "We won't let the House." The House has voted on these issues and has rejected them. Uh, We have been clear about our. our, Intention to absolutely fulfil the requirement that we have to bring forward an amendable motion under section 13.4 of the Withdrawal Act, and we will indeed be doing that. Even given, <laughs> Mr. Speaker, my constituents Tasnim, who's seven, and
4: Hashim, who's nine, have been stuck in war-torn Sana, seeing things that no child should ever see. They managed to get out, and the government's asked them to go to Khartoum in Sudan, where they've been asked to wait until their mum can pass an English language test. Now, they have a safe home in Cooper in my constituency with their dad. I've briefed the Prime Minister about this. Will she let the family, all of the family, go home to safety in my constituency?
2: Can I I say to the Honourable Gentleman, thank you, and I thank him for writing to me with details of this case and for bringing it to my attention. Obviously, I mean, as he will expect, when the Home Office receives applications, they look at them carefully, they look at exceptional circumstances. What I have done is ask the Home Office to look urgently at this case and ask the relevant Minister to respond to the Honourable Gentleman as soon as possible.
6: Sir Oliver Letwin. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister knows that if she brings her deal again to the House, I will again support it. But will she confirm today that the full length of the extension she is seeking from the EU will be available to the House, regardless of whether it supports her measure or seeks another way forward?
2: Well, can I say to the hon. Gentleman, as I think he will have heard me say in my answer to the very first question that was posed in Prime Minister's questions uh, today, uh, the Government intends to bring forward proposals to the third meeting we'll vote. If that vote is passed, the extension will give the House time to consider the withdrawal agreement bill. If not, the House will have to decide how to proceed.
0: Yeah. Jed Killen.
4: Yeah. Thank you, Mr yeah. Speaker. Over 50 years since the closure of Jane White's chemical factory in my constituency, the local area is still blighted by carcinogenic hexavalent chromium contamination. To date, Clay Gateway has received £6 million of EU funds to decontaminate and regenerate land, but tens of millions more will be required to complete the work. Will the Prime Minister give a commitment that, post-Brexit, the UK Government will make similar funding available in the long term to complete that work?
2: Yeah. The, the hon. Gentleman has raised a very specific case with me in relation to a certain type of funding. I would be very happy to ask the relevant minister to respond to him on the specifics of that case in relation to his constituency.
0: So, William Cash. Uh, will my right honourable friend rule out introducing the Withdrawal and Implementation Bill if her withdrawal agreement is voted down yet again by the House next week? And then let the United Kingdom leave the European Union on the, on the 29th of March as the people's vote in 2016, as Parliament has
2: enacted and as the law requires? Yay say to my honourable friend. Uh, what I have done today in writing to President Tusk is ask for that extension to Article 50 to the uh, end of June. I have been clear that that is, as I have said, that I do not believe delay, uh, Brexit should be delayed beyond that point. That would give us the opportunity to ensure that the House can consider again uh, a deal and then a uh, uh, to take forward the, the uh, withdrawal agreement and implementation bill in the circumstances that a deal was passed, in the circumstances that the deal was not passed, then it would be necessary, obviously, for the House to consider, as I've just said, to our honourable friend, the uh, right honourable friend, the member for West Dorset, the uh, where we should, how we should proceed. I would also say to my honourable friend, as he will have heard the DEFRA secretary saying in the debate on no deal last week, there are particular issues, particularly in relation to the governance of Northern Ireland. In, in relation to leaving the uh, European Union without a deal on the 29th of March, I continue to hope and continue to believe that the best way for this country to leave the European Union is to do so on a basis of a negotiated deal, and the extension to uh, uh, 30th of June would allow us to do that. Ed
4: Miliband, Thank you, Mr. Speaker, further to the question from the father of the house, does the Prime Minister not realise? In her answer, she is the roadblock to this House reaching a majority, yeah, yeah. not the facilitator of it. It is blindingly obvious, including, I believe, to members of the Cabinet, that what the House now needs to do is have a series of indicative votes yeah. Yeah. precisely so yeah. it can express its will about what it is for, not simply what it is against. Why doesn't the Prime Minister agree to that? And she'll be doing the service to the country if she did.
2: Yeah. Yeah right hon. Gentleman, obviously I have made clear that we will bring forward the uh, motion that is required under the legislation under section 13.4. But if, if I could just gently say to the right hon. Gentleman, as I did to my right hon. and learned friend, that it is not the case that it has not been possible for this House to bring forward votes of the sort that the right hon. Gentleman is talking about. It has been open to this House. In some cases the House has brought forward such votes and those have been rejected. Mr Richard Drax. Thank you Mr Speaker. My Right Honourable Friend and
3: this House gave its solemn word to the British people that we would leave the EU on the 29th of March on Friday week. If this extension happens, my Right Honourable Friend, what guarantee can you give the British people that at the end of June, if we still do not have a deal, we honour that referendum result,
2: and we leave. Can I, I say to my honourable friend that uh, I made clear in the debate we had, uh, I think in the debate we had, uh, one of the debates last week or the previous week, that if, if it is the case that there is an extension, this does not actually take deal off the table. It leaves that as a, as a point at the end of that extension. Now, whether or not we have that extension is not a matter purely for the United Kingdom, it is a matter for the European Union Council. They have up until now been very clear, uh, and obviously I wait to see what they say tomorrow, but they have been very clear that any extension could only be if there was a clear purpose for that extension, uh, and and that we could not we could not go beyond the date I have suggested without holding European Parliamentary elections. I do not believe it is in anybody's interest to hold European Parliamentary elections. I believe it is time that we actually delivered on the vote of the British people in 2016, and that is why, as I said earlier in response to the first question, as Prime Minister, as far as I am concerned, uh, there would be no delay in delivering Brexit beyond the 30th of June. Anna Soubry.
5: As the Prime Minister has told us, she is today seeking a short and one-off extension to Article 50. Last Thursday, her Deputy Prime Minister told this House at that dispatch box that any such application would be downright reckless and completely at odds with the position that this House adopted only last night. The question is... Prime Minister what
2: changed here, here. I the right, lady I, I seem to see a certain similarity between her question and a couple of the questions that came from the official opposition on this uh, on this issue but uh, and as I said as I said as I said to them I think we should all remember the responsibility we have in this house to ensure that we deliver brexit we, to ensure that we deliver brexit and as I have said, I believe a short extension uh, of the type that I have uh, indicated that I've written to President Tusk about today uh, is, is a sensible request to put forward, but I've also been clear, as I have, in response to uh, my uh, honorable friend from the back benches, uh, that, the, that I also believe that the British people, the British people, will not thank this House will not thank this House if we do anything other than deliver Brexit. And in a reasonable timetable. And that's by the end of
6: June.
1: Mr Nicholas Bowles. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And I'd like to thank my right honourable friend for allowing me to continue to represent the people of Grantham and Stamford from these Conservative benches. On the 26th of February, my right honourable friend said from the dispatch box, and I quote, If the House votes for an extension, the Government will seek to agree that extension approved by the House with the EU and bring forward the necessary legislation to change the exit date commensurate with that extension. When will she give this House the opportunity to approve her extension request? When will she bring forward the necessary legislation
2: to change the exit date? the suggestion of the extension to the end of June was, of course, considered by this House last week. Uh, it is necessary, before it is possible, for that to be confirmed – and the request has gone into the European uh, Union Council uh, – before that request can be confirmed, it is, of course, necessary for the EU Council to agree that extension, because the treaty is clear. That an extension can be applied for by the party, the, the country that is leaving the European Union, but it has to be agreed by all 28 members of the European Union, and that will be not be possible until the European Council at the end of this week. <laughs>
5: The Prime Minister still has to ask the EU to agree to something. And at the moment, all she's asking anybody to agree to is the same plan that she has put to this House twice and that has been roundly defeated twice. Why will she not just open up, just think again, just allow the indicative votes that others have put forward? Because what she is doing by sticking to this failed plan is deeply dangerous for our
2: country in the national interest. I beg this Prime Minister to think again. What is is first and foremost in the national interest is for this country to leave the European Union and to do so... And to do so in a way that does protect people's livelihoods and protects their security and protects our union. That is the proposal that we have put forward. The Right Honourable Lady, the right Honourable Lady has raised again the issue of indicative votes. As I will say to her, as I've said to others, first of all, we stand by the uh, requirement that we have to bring the motion under 13.4 of the Withdrawal uh, uh, Act, which we will do and we will bring that motion to this House. And we, it is appropriate improb- within the timetable set within the legislation. Uh, but I also say to the Right Honourable Lady, it is the case that there have been votes in this House on some of the other proposals that have been put forward, and those have equally been rejected. There is one thing that this House has agreed to, and that is that it would leave with a deal. It was in relation to with, uh, changes to, uh, in relation to the backstop, and that is the one positive vote that the House has given.
0: David Dukit. much, Mr Speaker. After much representation from the charity Max Appeal, the National Screening Committee is, for the first time, considering adding 22Q11 syndrome to the newborn blood spot test. The second most common chromosomal disorder after Down syndrome can lead to avoidable mental health issues if not diagnosed and managed from a young age. So therefore, would my right old friend join me and the APPG, of which I am chair, in calling for this condition to be bl- added to the newborn blood spot test.
2: Can I, can I say to, to my honourable friend, first of all, can I commend him and the APPG for the work that they are doing in this area? He's obviously raised a very important issue. I will ask the Department of Health and Social <coughs> Care to respond to him, the appropriate minister to respond to him, and possibly to meet him and talk to him about this issue. Andrew Eagle. Uh, Mr. Yeah.
5: Speaker, the Prime Minister has a very selective view of the decisions that this country has made. She mentions the referendum, but she never mentions the general election, which denied her the authority for a hard Brexit. She's mentioned the things that this House has voted against, but failed to mention that her deal has been defeated by large amounts, now twice. And she seems determined to plough on, as if nothing has happened to her deal and caused a huge crisis. Surely now, Mr Speaker, the time is for the Prime Minister to recognise that she has to stop banging her head against the brick wall of her defeated deal and reach out across this House in the the interests of stability and our democracy and come to a deal which actually has the support of a majority of this House, rather than kowtowing to her own brextremists.
2: That The point is that, uh, so far, apart from saying that it would support leaving with a deal with changes to that uh, deal in relation to the backstop, the House has given no positive vote on what it wants to go forward, and there and I, would also, I would also remind the Honourable Lady she talks about she talks about the 2017 general election. I would also remind her that 80% of the votes cast in that general election— Now oh, it's no good Labour members going like this. Eighty percent of the votes cast in that election were cast from parties that stood on a manifesto of honouring the result of the 2016
6: referendum.
2: Order!